0: I don't have pants on right now. I wouldn't either. But I do have Jameson from the tour. We're still drinking our tour
1: rider. <laughs> well, here's the thing about tour riders before we get into whatever we're getting into is if you don't take it in the front end, they ain't giving it in the back end. So you take it. That's a little innuendo. I take it in the back yes. end. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know you. You do know that. We
0: shared a bunk <laughs> the whole tour from what I told the crowd every night.
2: page avenue crew and my name is adam
3: hi i'm dan i sing in story of the year hi i'm ryan i play guitar in story of the year (laughs) i'm broken don't do shit
4: (laughs) (laughs) broke don't do shit that's good that's good why don't you tell the people uh why you teed up a a movie quote because our friend's on and he likes movies like we like movies
2: hey we have a guest (laughs) a remote guest for the first time in a long long time He's bonafide, too.
4: Yeah. Straight from the set of remote control.
0: (laughs) His
1: name's JT. He plays in a band called Hawthorne Heights. You've probably heard of them. Hey. Hi, JT. What's up, man? What's up, guys? What's up, dude? Full disclosure, I'd like to start this with saying that I think my band would be way more popular if my fucking name wasn't JT. (laughs) 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 That's the least stage name ever. And then Justin Timberlake swiped it from me
0: yeah he, did, with,
4: he, he stole it
1: people don't forget he did
0: <laughs> well it, it uh i don't know this but what does that stand for is this a known thing james no it's uh, james this, do you not
1: want to tell people? james this? taylor i wish it was james taylor it's james thomas two very classic mm. american names yeah nothing fancy biblical yeah wait is tom in the bible i don't know if thomas is in the bible <laughs> i think tom, i think old tommy was an apostle or something <laughs> It's fucking Tommy the Apostle, the fourteenth Apostle. Ted, is also little known. <laughs> You're from now on James Thomas. So James Thomas isn't any better than JT though. Jimmy so T. I'll, I'll I'll stand by That's that. Just a pretty white, pretty pretty straightforward white guy names right there. Yeah, Jim? it's a, it's unfortunate. No stage name, no stage age. What you see is what you get.
0: Old Jim Tom.
2: <laughs> Jim Tom. Henceforth, it's Jim Tom.
1: Well, yeah, we
0: get we got the pretty standard boring names too. We don't. We our names aren't real exciting, but.
2: Dan. Yeah.
1: Ryan. Didn't help us either. Well, none of us were, our moms didn't name us slash. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and none of us, like, that's the thing about kind of our time period and our genre and everything. It was kind of, uh, we're all used to playing like rental halls and shit. So yeah. we never like fully embraced the rock star ethos or anything like that. So we didn't have to sweat through the rental hall. Being called fucking Slash or Shark or something like that. And like you literally, you know, like your mom had to come watch you at the rental hall and be like, hey, my son's Shark. He plays the drums. (laughs) (laughs) Story of the.
2: My little baby Shark.
1: Yeah. Strangely enough, Josh hates sharks. You know, because fucking Axel and Slash and people like that. His best friend carburetor is opening for him. <laughs> there was a time when they were not famous, and True. they were going around a practice space, being like, "Dude, you have to call me Slash forever." <laughs> his, his name is or it's Saul, not going Saul to work. Hudson.
3: Saul—that <laughs> yeah. is Slash's name. Yeah, Saul is still better than JT. Yeah. Bono's name is Paul. <laughs> Biblical again.
4: Yeah, Paul. I tried to change my name on the second record to the constable. You did. Only people from the UK call me that, dude. Speaking of the constable, the only constable that
2: we knew, Pierre, from Canada, yeah, no longer a constable.
4: He's not a constable, was he now? <laughs> Revoked. A pilot. He's a pilot. Whoa. Yeah. Does he fly commercially? Texted me the
2: other day. Yeah.
1: A lot of people think that what we do for a living is like the things dreams are made of. But some guy that I've never met named Pierre, who does not own Pierre's in Fort Wayne, has been a fucking constable and a pilot. Yeah. That guy is living twice the lives that we are. It's true.
0: He might own Pierre, Pierre's in Fort Wayne. We don't know that. Yeah. yeah. One
1: R. Oh, yeah. shit.
2: No, he has one R in on his name, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, it is. We're,
1: yes. we're connecting some dots here. This is string theory shit. Yeah, <laughs> this is like a true crime episode right now. This absolutely could have been a plot from a 1983 movie starring Val Kilmer. <laughs> 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 Who else would have been
0: in that movie? I know you. I know you have this whole plot in your head right now.
1: Oh, pro- we we need a secondary character, probably Matt Adler, the guy that was uh, his starring vehicle was North Shore.
4: <laughs> yes, dude. <laughs>
1: He, he played the shitty friend <laughs> Teen in Wolf? Uh,
4: Teen Wolf. <laughs> what was <laughs> his they name never... in Teen Wolf? Styles? No, that, no, no, no. Styles uh, rules. The nerdy friend that, like, of the three of them, it's Michael J. Fox, Styles, and then that other oh, dude. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and
1: they never, they never really explain why he's super creeped out by a werewolf friend. Yeah. <laughs>
4: it's like, he's the <laughs> only
1: one that's like. Man, I'm not buying this shit. I'm not hanging out with a werewolf. <laughs> Every, everybody Man. else just was willing to roll with the punches. They're all Styles is trying to make money off the werewolf. Yeah, you know, like the hot chick is trying to be in a play with the werewolf. The drama teacher
2: will only allow him to be the werewolf. Yeah, what a plot. Yeah, that, that that's dude, a hell of a plot. That, that dude watched Happy Gilmore and and saw Shooter's skepticism. What's <laughs> fucking see? This shit isn't normal. This is a normal eater with this fucking wolf hey, but bullshit. Hey,
4: also the best friend, Boof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boof, Boof. Great
1: the love, the love, like the real love interest. Yeah. Boof. yeah, Boof, Boof. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm there's, not buying. I'm the, not
4: buying that chick.
2: Yeah. That
1: closet scene is as close to me too adjacent.
4: <laughs> yeah, <'Cause laughs>
1: there's weird shit happening in that movie, man. Yeah. Wouldn't
3: fly. Hey, no. would not fly today. When we were kids, Boof meant something. Do you guys know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah t- All right. To have intercourse with, yeah, to boof someone. Is, yeah. it no, from no. That?
0: Is it from that? Oh, never no, 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 no! It's mean?
3: specific kind of intercourse. Oh, in the butt. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's like, oh man, Jessica got boofed. Like, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> like that was the thing you said. Do you think it was from that movie? <laughs> like, that's
1: some St. Louis shit. Yeah, that might just be us.
3: Yeah, I just thought it was funny that her name was Boof, and that when I was a kid, that meant you got. Took it up the butt. The funny yeah. thing you got is, is, like
4: you watch that movie, and the first time you hear her name, you're like, "Oh, that's fucking weird," and then you don't think about it. Oh no, no! What's
3: the yeah. show with the kid's name? The guy. Uh, it, it's a Michael J. Fox thing. He has a friend named Boner. Yeah. <laughs> Family ties. Family ties.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Family yeah. ties. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Boner. No, that's growing pain. Growing, growing pain. pain. Exactly. pain. It's Kurt Cameron. Cameron. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, that fucking pre pre religious Kirk Cameron. Yeah. 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 You've seen yeah. the banana video, right? No. The banana video with Kurt Cameron, where he. And his pastor explained how a banana was perfectly designed by God for the human hand because of the way it's shaped. And the whole video, it's just like super phallic, the whole thing. It looks like like a skit. It's that bad, but they're fully serious. That mm-hmm. dude's off the rails.
1: He's what do you long think, gone. What do you
4: think his sister thinks of him? What do you nah. think Boner's nah. doing?
1: Candace? Boner's doing?
4: Candace Cameron? What boner's dead? Dang. Don't bring the
1: negative shit into here. Yeah. Boner's dead. He asked dead. me
4: what boner was doing.
1: I said he's dead. <laughs> Not much. He's a skeleton currently. He's flaccid. flaccid. Josh, Josh wills to drag the mood down. <laughs> yeah, his boner is no longer hard. <laughs> he's do you, flaccid. Do, do you remember what his dad's name was on the show? Boner's dad? Yeah. No. <laughs> This is absolutely next-level comedy. Sylvester Stabone. <laughs> oh, I, right. fuck I am not right. exaggerating.
4: Yeah, I forgot 100%. his last name was Stabone. Stabone? Bo- yep. Boner Stabone?
1: Boner does not come from erection. That's why they that called him fam- Boner. Yeah. That was- <laughs> they called him Boner
4: because of his last yes. name. Oh, my God. How did
1: that fly? I don't, that it's was like 80s? a family show. It's We're just 80s. walking around saying, man, I'm, we need more Boner screen time. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Oh, that's funny.
0: Well, the reason why JT is here with us tonight, mainly, I mean, not because we have been friends for almost 20 years, but we just toured together for the last few weeks. Yeah. And uh, we shared a bus and we had many of these exact conversations about how he knows every single reference to every movie ever made somehow. Mm-hmm. You have a whole encyclopedia inside your brain of
1: movie knowledge. Hey, man. Divorced parents. I was raised on HBO.
4: <laughs> yeah. He was the only person, other person than us. That I know that knows more movies than we know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was impressed. It's very fascinating. If you didn't hate podcasts so much, you could have one about movies. I'd be a guest on your podcast. I'd hang out with you. Hey, I have a
1: love-hate thing with podcasts, like I said before. And I'll just get into it slightly because we have podcast listeners. (laughs) I just think that the five of us sitting around is way funnier than any podcast I could listen to. So I would just rather talk to my friends instead of listening to other people's
2: friends talk to each other. That's all I'm saying. So you're saying all of our listeners have fucking boring friends? (laughs) Yeah, I'm
1: saying that they need to get their own podcast and talk to their own (laughs) friends. But realistically, I... for the most part, view uh, all male podcasts as divorces waiting to happen. If you got to like everybody's got to get around in a room together to to talk to each other. Then you need to work on your marriage. That goes with everybody. <laughs> that is true. We, we're
0: really sick of our wives, so that is why we're here.
1: So. <laughs> I mean, it is like the, the podcast is the 2022 version of the VFW Hall. <laughs> I was about to say. The, or the, the bowling league. Elks Lodge, yeah. and the bowling, bowling league, league yeah. 100%. We went, the we're hanging out digitally. We don't go to the bowling night and stuff like that
2: anymore, but uh, I don't know. Yo, speaking of, you talked about at the beginning, uh, you're talking about renting halls to play shows we played vfw hall shows that was our shit in st louis what was it like where you guys came up
1: it was a knights of columbus so very Ooh. similar situation we didn't get into the veterans of foreign war but we were into <laughs> the knights of columbus um but yeah it was the same thing you know like you just kind of grow up in a uh, you guys don't really have any excuses because you're from an actual city I'm from a city where there are no music venues, so we had to create music venues. You guys were just too bad and boring. <laughs> they wouldn't book you at the regular venues, so you had to do it yourselves. <laughs>
0: well, no, we just really. weren't old enough to, like, uh, yeah. really go there yet, so.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like, uh, it was cool because it was an anti-scene. So, like, you didn't want to play the bars. You didn't want to play the clubs yeah. because you wanted to control it yourselves and just have your friends come. And pay three bucks to get in, or whatever, and pay the out-of-town band. So that's really what it was about. I do. I'm, if people don't understand my personality, it's jokes all the time. So I don't <laughs> want anybody thinking that I actually think Big Blue Monkey was a bad band. <laughs> um, you guys were great. Damn, you know, you guys. Obviously. You you guys were innovators. Yeah. So I don't want to take that away from you. But yeah, so that whole scene was kind of predicated on doing it yourself and like not allowing any roadblocks to stop you. So instead of having to, like, beg somebody to put you on a show, you were like, fuck it, I'll throw my own show, and I'll invite yeah. my all the bands that I love, and I'll grow this scene. And, like, it was incredible because of that. But also, like, I, I think one thing that people don't realize is that we all got good at business really quickly because we had to book our own shows and pay for a rental hall and invest in ourselves because nobody was willing to do it. So, like, you know, if you had bands coming from out of town, you were coming... 300 bucks out of pocket or whatever. And then the rental hall, that was a lot of money back then for a bunch of kids with fucking Mm -hmm. no jobs and stuff like that. And you just did it because you loved somebody. And, uh, that's like one of the purest times in your career was when you were willing to live and die by every moment of what you were doing just out of pure fun.
3: Yeah. To unite people in a room, fun and passion. And, uh, us growing up, you know, this band was like super DIY, like everything, and, you know, sharing this bus with you for the last couple of weeks, like I really, really appreciate, dude, you guys are like, I thought we were like the hardest working band. You guys are kind of on another level, um, with your festival and just like watching firsthand, like how much you guys put into it and how hard you worked. Like it was really impressive, yeah, really like impressive.
2: Anyone who knows our band and knows how hard we work and knows us personally and all that shit, take every, take all of that and add intelligence. And that's Hawthorne Heights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say in movie quotes, <laughs> I would say there's definitely a uh,
1: a learning curve when it comes to all this stuff, and there's a comfort zone, and you're not always you know like everybody tells you, work smart, not hard, but like when you're trying to keep this thing on the rails, you know, like what what people don't realize is that out of nowhere, both of our bands went from nobody to somebody in a very short period of time, yeah, mm-hmm. and you had to roll with the punches, and if you guys did didn't do VFW hall shows and stuff like that, you wouldn't have known what to do. Yeah. And that's how that's how you were able to, like, take the good and the bad. That's a Facts of Life quote, kind of. But
0: Yeah, all, all of our influence and, yeah, the way we all started, that's what kept us going, and that's why we're all still around 20 years later, obviously. Um, yeah. Because the bands that, that didn't have that, like, foundation already built, they didn't last through that, that kind of scene, you that's,
1: know? Yeah, that's kind of what I chalk it up to because... When everything was going perfect for both of us and you were touring on a bus, you got to fly anywhere you wanted, you got to go into whatever studio you wanted, none of that made you a better band. It just gave you more access to more toys Yeah. and it made it a little bit easier for you. It's when you strip all that stuff away and you can get by without any tricks and fancy stuff, that means you're actually a good band. Mm-hmm. It yeah. means that you know what you're doing because a lot of people don't realize like the reason that bands are always trying to constantly monetize at the DIY level is because that's the only way to survive. You know, we're all in survival mode 100% of the time because
3: it's wild. Well, and also, also it's like, it, sh- it shows you care, you know? Yeah. Like we all really, really, really care, you know, like our band, these songs, like what we do, this is like our babies, you know? It's like when you your baby goes out in the world, it's like, dude, that's like your heart and your soul, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, your baby better, better know how to settle a show. 100%, <laughs> or you're going to get ripped off. I mean, I can't tell you how many Change bands. Change your own diaper, baby. How many friends I have that don't know like how to balance their books or to know how to book their travel or to how much they should be paying for their merchandise, which is the 100% moneymaker in your band that keeps you afloat. Like. Um, but you only I mean, you only know
3: this stuff if you like, I didn't mean to cut you off, sorry. Um, oh, sorry. All, right. all this stuff you're saying that only comes if you care. Yeah. You know, yeah. we've all been around a lot of bands and a lot of people. It's like, like it's easy when the, you know, the, the the shows are all selling out, the labels pushing you, you know, everything's when things are working good, it's almost like it's on autopilot because you like, you know, back in the day, both of us had full teams of record label uh, personnel, like in each market, like doing work and Everyone, like all we were doing is just going out and playing the shows and stuff, you know, when all that stuff kind of goes away and you kind of have to revert to your DIY roots. It's like you're only going to do that, especially at our age, if you like really, truly give a shit, you know,
2: that's the thing, dude. Like it's not like in our case, a lot of the things you're talking about, we aren't necessarily good at, but we know enough that when the shit hits the fan or when the whole thing goes flaccid, we're like, okay, fuck it. We can just figure this out. It's more like yeah we know enough and we're persistent enough to keep going rather than just being like well I guess we break up now, you
3: know but I think that's sure. that's more For the sure. rule than the exception you know what I'm saying like that's yeah
2: yeah
0: yeah, yeah. I agree and like even on this tour we we learned a lot from you guys I was just going to say you you were teaching us a lot about your merch situation and yeah I mean we've all learned all this from experience obviously but but yeah you guys have you taught us a lot even on this tour that we've been talking about lately it's just like we need to really pay attention to some shit you know
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, like, the the thing about it is, is, like, I'm I'm not going to lie to you guys and tell you that it's fun to, like, (laughs) worry about every nickel and every dime. The fun part is playing to the fans and writing the songs and getting in a room together and loving each other and having that, like, ultimately play out in audio format. That is the dream, but behind the dream, there's a whole little tiny machine that all has to work because of things like just... Debt, debt to income ratio, yeah. realizing that, um, streaming does not pay the bills. So you have to do other things in order to keep your band alive. Like the way I've, I've always looked at it is it matters so much to me when somebody says that a song that I've written has saved their life, that I cannot stop doing this because I don't have the right management team hmm. or yeah my booking agent isn't doing a good enough job. Like when somebody tells you something like that, you're going to, you're going to try and do this forever because you're affecting people. Yeah. And that's kind of what this music meant. And that's why it blew up in 2004 because people realized, holy shit, all the like fake meaningless music didn't matter. And like everybody was so impressed with us giving a shit and caring. Now, granted it's become a little bit, Of a caricature because it's called emo, which at one point was uh, definitely a derogatory term for a band. Oh, that's an emo band. The
0: pussies, they're crying about some shit.
1: Yeah. 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 It definitely was. And like, but none of us were like, dude, you want to start an emo band? Yeah. We (laughs) didn't (laughs) even know we were emo as it was happening. 100 percent at the time necessarily but no no not at all you were like hey i like to sing i like to scream i like punk rock i like hardcore Mm -hmm. i like uh earth crisis as much as i like blink 182
0: yeah (laughs) you know what i mean like stuff like
1: that like it's like i like every one of us grew up on no effects yeah you know what i mean but we didn't necessarily sound like no effects so like that's the weirdest thing is like but the thing that tied us all together is the fact that most of us actually gave a shit about what we were doing, and that we couldn't imagine not grinding it out in that van instead of working at a gas station. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, because that's what this does. This like it sucks all of your twenties out of you. Mm. So like everybody, that's like it definitely oh, some twenties out of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. do, man, it it does. And then like <laughs> like, are you willing to? allow somebody to grind up the best years of your life and not fight for it yeah you know what i mean yeah but right. that's the way that i look at it i'm like dude if you can last 20 years you can last 100 yeah <laughs> dude yeah. you know what i mean like people, you're
2: making me feel really like, like, good about wanting to be a band
3: forever now <laughs> i love this
2: <laughs> you should get into motivational speaking
3: <laughs> dude i was having this conversation with last night with my father-in-law and i've had i've had it like four or five times since we got home like people hey how's the tour how's the tour And I think, um, you know, despite all the, you know, all all the things like people telling you, uh, you know, your, your music, your lyrics saved my life and stuff like all those super highs, like the highest of the highs, even with all that said, I know everyone in this room has had a lot of moments where you're just like, what the fuck am I doing? It's like, what am I doing? You know, like, why do I still do this? You know, I've had that moment so many times, um, this tour, the one we just did looking down, just like seeing everyone because we haven't toured toured like a full like an actual tour in like 10 years and just like looking down seeing people smiling singing along i saw some people crying you know like night after night like the shows sold really well they were packed especially your festival shows were especially that one in cincinnati holy shit it was incredible um it makes those moments where you're like why do i do this it's like oh yeah this is why i do this you know and that's what that tour was. For, 100%. Yeah, that's what this tour was for me. It's like all those moments where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, like you look down and you see those people and it's like, yeah. It is easy for, to forget
0: when you don't play a lot live to be like, okay, why the fuck? What What is so cool about this? But then as soon as you're on stage,
3: oh, it's you, never you understand that, it. It's never know? that for me. Like, uh, I'm, I've am i never thought, like, what's so cool about Like, I, I love making shit. Like, I'm going to make music forever for the rest of my life, full time. Um, it's just, do people care still? Like, do, is there a market for us? You know what I'm saying? Is do enough people in the world care to where I'm like, dude, there's been some years where it's like, God damn, like it would just be nice to not always stress about money. You know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, for, it's like, for why, sure. It's like, I'm a 40 year old dude. And like, uh, it's like, God damn, I'm still worrying about a certain you know, certain things like financial things that I'm like still worried about at age fucking 40. And it's like, damn dude, like, man, what am I doing?
1: I I have a theory of why you worry about stuff like that. What's that? And that, that theory is not, not unlike anybody else, but we've all suffered an extreme amount of PTSD (laughs) to where there was a time period where you almost could not not make money. Mm -hmm. Like you had to turn down so much stuff, mm-hmm. sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for dumb reasons, because we're all, you know, human. Yeah. But
3: we turned on Spider-Man 2. We win. Yes.
1: I, well, dumb we mistakes. but you sued your label. <laughs> we sued our record label at the height of our fucking career. Yeah. So if you if you want to talk about sticking to your guns, we did. Yes, yeah. you did. Um, all right, it's a tie. So, yeah, totally different style. We're both dumb in different ways. Well, I'll tell you that. But we're both really bad at contract law. <laughs> um, I, I will guarantee you that. But um, so you you got to experience this extreme level of success that m- people will never touch in their lives. And you had to fall off a cliff eventually.
2: Yeah. And
1: you can't, you cannot remember the highs. You can only remember the lows. And that is what your brain does. And that's yeah. the difference between the, the head and the heart. That really is. So yeah. you're constantly in economic freefall because every time you're on the Internet, you see somebody saying, man, that band's greedy or that band charges too much for a VIP or that band does this. Like you're used to every single person, either a assuming that story of the year is 100 percent as rich as Drake. One hundred percent. They know that. Yeah. That they, you guys are all convinced. Yeah. Yes, you guys all live in Beverly Hills and you guys are all basically honorary Kardashians because you wrote <laughs> Until the Day I Die. <laughs> what they don't realize it's is true. That, that is true though. Yeah. What they don't realize is that we grew up in an era where, you know, we each have a platinum record, which is great, and we do earn residual income from that. But if we released if you released Page Avenue in nineteen ninety four you would be set for life.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, you released it. Yeah. Yeah. You released it in 2003 and instead of selling 10 million, you sold 1 million and your record label took most of that. Yep. Yep. So like that, that's the difference is every, the, the fans for the most part, because they shouldn't understand the economics of the music industry. They're, they're just listening for pure pleasure. And, and I love that. But like the way that everybody's portrayed is that, Every band is a millionaire, and if you want to ask for, you know, of whatever, fifty dollars for a VIP, it's like, oh, great, another rich guy trying to get another fifty dollars out of mm-hmm. me. And yeah. It's like, We're really just trying to break even on the tour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah your VIP, yeah. your VIP might pay for your bus for one day. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean. Like, so, yeah. like, I I don't blame people for not understanding the economics of it, but like, none of us. Have fuck you money? at no. all, mm, dude. We, all we, we all have middle class income money, all made from emo, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah, the fact great. that we can that all we can do it at all stand it's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, that we can all stand. Um, so like you've just you you've always don't want to come off as like some sort of like douchebag who is like trying to cash grab every single moment, but we're all clinging to scraps. Yeah. You know, there's to- there's hot and cold times. Do you want to tour 365 days a year or do you want to, you know, tour when it makes sense, but still have a stable income? And that's yeah. what it all comes down to. That's what anybody wants to do in their life, regardless of what they do for a living. Yeah. You want to work. You want to work to live, not live to work. Yeah. You know what I mean?
4: So and that's where that's where we all are. Yeah, those people that think we're rich can come by my day job. And we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely, dude. Everything you're saying about we can talk about
2: it. Every everything we've all been talking about for the past ten minutes or so. This I think, so hot yeah, it's it's hot as hell. Let's talk about this thing and then take a break. Yeah, and, and, we're gonna have to and, take a break and turn the air on in here. Yeah, we'll we'll keep you on, yeah, but we'll still you, talk. Yeah. It's, so it's hot as fuck can, in here. Can, you'll be okay. Damn,
4: a
1: story of the year can't even afford air conditioning, and we're yeah. thinking they're Yeah,
2: for real. So, um, Drink and everything we're saying in the past system. 10 minutes, it's, it's all relevant to the time that our bands came up. Like you said, if it would have been 1984 or 94, we'd, we'd be set for life. But we came, like we signed, I don't know what your first contract was like, but ours was a really small deal by the old school standards. Like Ryan and I did that documentary and we kept saying over, over and over, we came up at the fucking death rattle of the old model. We got a traditional deal. With very little upfront, but it was like a 12-point deal before, you know, 360s and all that shit happened. So we got some of the benefits of the old model of actually, like, like we recorded strings on Page Avenue in Hawaii just because Feldman said, hey, let's go milk a few more dollars out of the label. But then it was right at the beginning of, like, Internet 2.0 where we started on mp3.com before MySpace and Facebook and all that shit existed, I mean, long before Twitter and, and Instagram. So we're in this weird place where we could have a platinum record. You guys, the same, same thing, having a, a, the old school label machine behind it, making it happen. And then we get to the place we are now where we are now, where it's hard as shit for us to make it work because we didn't grow up with social media built into our lives and in turn built into like our, our business plan. So all of that success, it's not irrelevant, but it's not as relevant as people would think, you know, as people would perceive. So younger bands right now i it's hard to say if they're in a better place but like neither of our bands have big social media followings none of us as individuals have big followings so we have to grind and do all this shit to make up for the fact that we don't have this huge reach that comes from being like an internet native generation you know what i'm saying
1: yeah yeah for sure i mean i i would kind of break that down a little bit more hawthorne heights i don't know if you guys realize this but we were the number one myspace band for two years dude we were the number one mp3.com band when it ended so we're like yeah yeah so like this far apart generationally but yeah both of us like we really were at the cutting edge of what is happening now but you just didn't view it that way then you were like oh this is cool we can reach people on the internet. I don't know if this works or not, but
2: I don't know if this internet thing will stick
1: around, but, but like, you know, you're, you're scanning through and you're like, shit, people are using my song lyrics as screen names. This fucking, this is sick. Yeah. Um, and, and nobody's and paying like, for our album. This is fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> but to be honest with you, I, I have another theory about why all of these bands have been able to stand the test of time as long as they haven't like imploded themselves is because we grew up in that generation where people had an association to us on a listening level and connecting to their social media lives, like using your song as a screen name or using your band as a screen name or putting your band in a top eight and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, that all gave it a real emotional connection past music. Yeah. Like that was basically the the teen beat or the tiger beat from the (laughs) eighties.
2: Yeah. Like
1: that was basically what that was. So it did give us a fandom that you didn't realize that you had. So like, even if you even if those people never came to shows, they remember you now. And that's kind of why certain bands are still big and still carry that much weight with it is because of the, the connection that
2: you made far beyond just Driven. seeing it with your own two eyes dude there something there's a scientific term for exactly what you're talking about, and we've talked about this forever, and it was one of those things where you know about an idea or a phenomenon or whatever and someone drops the term the scientific knowledge on you and you go, "Fuck, it was that thing the whole time I learned the other day yeah that association where knowing someone and liking someone or a group or a company or whatever, and then in turn liking what they make because you have that um, that, that association, that like connection, it's called the halo effect. Have you heard heard that? Yeah. Anyone I have. So like there, there was a, a host, one of the co-hosts of this podcast I listened to was, um, was a one-time host for that show brain games. And they did this thing with what's Tom Hanks's son's name, Colin, Colin Hanks. So they did this experiment where he, they did an art gallery for his art, quote, his art. It wasn't really his. They put it up. He went to the thing and he met everyone and was, you know, as charismatic as he is. And then they did exit interviews and everyone, most people loved the art. They're like, oh, he's such a nice guy. He's great artist." blah, 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 this kind of shit. And then they did the exact same art. They left it in the gallery, exact same thing, but they dressed him up as this character with this super douchey name. I forgot what it was, but he was like really just pretentious and a total asshole and was just kind of arrogant and shitty to everyone. He played this character, exact same art. They did exit interviews and most people hated the art. (laughs) <laughs> so that thing... Like I didn't know the,
0: which way you were going to go with that. I was like, did it get more popular because he was an asshole?
2: No, they liked it, it more when they liked him. So like with us, with our DVDs back like in the That's how bands
0: work. If you're more of an asshole, people like you more for some reason.
2: I feel like... Sometimes. That, <laughs> that, that, yeah, sometimes I feel that like happens. that worked back in the day when that rock star thing was more of a thing. Yeah. But I feel like the personal connection element now, whether it's on social media or in our case, we had those first two DVDs where people kind of got to know our personalities and at least on a DVD. We seem cool. Like people like us. I, I feel like that helped since Josh, isn't the singer. <laughs> it, it's working out better for us is yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> like that, that helps sustain like our core fan base because we have those DVDs and people knew us on that level before social media was a thing. Yep. For sure.
1: And I think that like, I, I think that different people are exactly that. So I think that everybody who fell in love with you guys because they learned more about you and, and, they related to what you were doing, whether it be on a humor level or, or on a human level. Um, that's how you got lasting relationships with people. And then there was also people that were like, "Dude, those guys are fucking clowns. <laughs> <laughs> I need somebody more. I need like Slash, just wears the top hat, plays the solos, and gets the fuck off the stage. I need that guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I he don't want to know never that these his guys hole out not once. <laughs> yes, I. I don't need to know that these guys are you know shopping at pilot and stuff like that all i want is the stage and that's it so uh, it was Bucky's, you know thanks. bucky's
2: yeah get it, get it right we shopped at pilot oh yeah
1: too. there's uh there's something for everybody in everywhere you well, know now, like
0: now you have to know everything about every band member and you have to know their fucking their girlfriend's name and their social security number or you have yeah, to
2: know nothing you just hide.
1: yeah it's all it, yeah. it's all or nothing you either need to know every single thing or literally a guy just gets on stage, says nothing in between songs and gets off stage. And you just fucking hope to catch a glimpse.
2: Well, either way, it's, it's it's the desire to know stuff. Either you don't know it and you're pursuing it at all times, or you do know it and you're fulfilled by having known it. Absolutely. You know? So it's, it's all about what
1: type of brain receptor people attract to, you know, it's like, man, it's like when we were, when we were kids, we like, would buy the album and read the liner notes and be like, dude, no effects thanked strung out. I have got to hear
3: strung out now. That was my favorite, dude. Yeah. I yeah. love reading the thank you list. Yeah, yeah, that
1: that 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 sort of that sort of connection is is what you had. That was your editorial moment. You know, that was your uh deep dive. Yeah, that was instead the, of having that was social media back in the day.
0: Reading thank you. Yeah, they follow essentially. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's crazy. it was like I remember. You know, reading uh, the thank you notes to Dude Ranch and finding uh, River Phoenix, which went on to become Phoenix TX and being like, fuck, this band's awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like finding out Lag Wagon, finding out Rhythm Collision, finding out all these bands that like, you know, because I grew up in a small town in West Virginia before the Internet. Hmm. And like that w- that literally was the Internet. That was <laughs> your connection. Wait, was- nobody yes. lives in West Virginia. That's not real. Come on. Hey man, I was there yesterday. <laughs> Actually, two days ago. You saw people.
2: I saw humans, real life. Everything we've talked about so far in the in the first like half hour of this is all coincidentally super relevant to your band having this uh, awesome tour and this festival and everything you did talking about all this DIY shit and everything. Talking about- so let's take a break and let's come back and talk about the Is for Lovers Festival. Pian pian, insert music or whatever. Roll to an ad. This segment brought to you by Dildos. All right, we're back. Uh, Welcome to awfulbands.com. We've got the fucking, the sickest lead singer, the the lead singer with the sickest name in all of emo with us right now. It's our boy JT from Hawthorne Heights. Uh, More importantly, even more important than the question, what is the story of the year? What is Hawthorne's height? (laughs) Technically. Technically, it's somewhere in between fucking
1: Blink One Eighty Two and Pikes Peak, (laughs) someplace in there. That's that's where we were. That's the. I'm not sure what the I'm not sure what the latitude and longitude (laughs) is there, but Uh, that's
2: that's technically where
0: Blink One Eighty Two got their name. It's 182 feet.
2: Yeah, how many meters above (laughs) sea level is Hawthorne?
1: Fucking high enough, man. (laughs) You've never been high enough. Don't worry. Don't 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 lie to the people. (laughs) That's I kind of feel like um first of all i'm am a reluctant lead singer. second of all, I've never like done drugs or anything, so I just feel fake to begin with. You know what I mean? <laughs> like everybody's supposed to
2: be. This is
0: a good thing to talk about you you being yeah. the straight edge man your whole life. I used to be straight edge with you. We used to tour whenever I didn't drink either, but uh sold out, bro. did we annoy you sharing a bus by mostly only me and Adam would drink on this tour? Josh was sick for three no, weeks straight no, was. It? <laughs> It wasn't well, still COVID though. That's good. Um and still then Ryan just sick. says not been drinking much lately. So uh were we annoying and or were you impressed by our by our drinking? <laughs> were you
1: impressed? <laughs> nah, man. Uh like if I didn't love you guys as humans and understand your personalities, I probably would have been. If <laughs> yeah. if like you know what I mean, like if yeah, you yeah. were just a rando band and it's like, hey, you guys wanna buddy up and share? I'd be like Fucking damn it. The killers are, you know, the killers drink too much and that I gotta got share a the bus Jameson with Brandon. All day. Yeah, I gotta share the bus with Brandon Flowers and he's <laughs> pounding white claws. I'm yeah. pissed. <laughs> uh, but he's no, like out. since yeah, since I understand your personalities and everything and uh you know, everybody I thought I felt for having twelve people on a bus, it wasn't bad I felt at all. everybody was really respectful yes. because you know when you don't drink and do shit like that, it's like we can we can bring the party down as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. like we don't wanna we don't wanna do that either by being, by turning the fucking tour bus into a library. My damn name's already JT. <laughs> I don't have slash or fucking top hat Jenkins or something like that.
4: And nobody could so, be in the back lounge. <laughs> <Just you know. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's
1: because every that's because every damn bi- Every band member in 2022 is a burgeoning podcast person, and they have fucking everybody's got two pelicans
0: back there. Yeah, yeah.
1: Every, everybody's got two pelicans, three computer bags, but everybody's complaining that their label wants them to get on TikTok. Meanwhile, they're they have more fucking audio equipment than Howard Benson. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we could have recorded a full record in that bus, yeah. I'm pretty sure.
1: Every band member is a burgeoning Rick Rubin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, wh- how many band members you got? We got five. Well, three of them are Rick Rubin. The other two are Joe Rogan. <laughs> but uh, uh, good luck. You can't fucking sit in the back lounge. When you just have to be Logan Paul instead. Yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah. The funny uh, thing was, though, is like, even with the back lounge, if, even if there was space... We would all hang out in the front lounge no matter what. Like we'd be standing like at like the sink, just kind of hanging out with the bus Nobody
2: wanted to be in the back. It was
1: weird. We're
4: at the
2: pub.
1: Yeah. It's because like, it was really weird. Like I feel, I don't feel embarrassed saying this. I feel proud saying this, that like every day we would all hang out and talk until we were too tired to do it anymore. And then we would go to sleep and we would wake up and do it again. But you know, we got to be honest with ourselves there's always going to be three heroes in the band that like fucking are trying to suck the marrow out of life and wake it up at six in the morning. And then you got two slugs. Dan, I'm looking at you. Did you just Matt Nauer, slug, bro? I'm looking at you. <laughs> yes. You hey, got- I was sucking the marrow out of the evening time, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you were. You're a vampire. I'm sorry, Captain. Yes. you just call me a tick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to stay in bed as late as I could every day. It's giving you guys your front lounge time. That's what I was doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, me- You did a good job. <laughs> meanwhile Josh and uh, Josh and Ryan and I are up there, you know we're we're getting everything done, man. We've got our whole day planned. we know what coffee shop we're going to before the wheels stop moving. talking business. Yeah, we're we're getting
4: shit done. Having a hot cup of Joe, just up there coughing <laughs> during <Drenched laughs> like. spreading disease around the whole bus. Yeah,
3: no, dude, I, I like really looked forward. We'd get up, make that coffee, just rolling in the bus with the windows up, listen to music, or you know, with the blinds up or whatever. Uh, yeah, dude, like I, I feel like most mornings I kind of picked your brain about a lot of this stuff, and yeah, man, like for what it's worth, I actually learned a whole lot from you just sitting there in the morning Likewise. just talking about this shit. Yeah, like, you, you're really, really, you're super funny and all that and we're all laughing and stuff, but, like, people should know, like, you're a really intelligent dude, like, especially when it comes to your band and marketing and just your self-awareness about the scene and where you guys fit into it and how to leverage mm-hmm. your band. It's like, dude, you're really on top of your shit.
2: I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, for listeners, if they have any questions about business and starting a band, what's your email address? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. It is uh, TikTok at JT.com. But, um... <laughs>
2: The best education yeah, you know, like any I, of
1: us have is, is hanging with your peers and,
0: you know, figuring it things is. out how other people do it. And because we're all successful, but we need to understand how different angles work, you know, with our friends.
4: Yeah, it, it, it
1: truly is. And, and my, one of my favorite things about the tour is me, somebody who's been doing it constantly since 2003 without any break in my, in my life. And the only break that I ever got was when our guitar player passed away. And when we sued our record label and they were both very close to each other Mm. and all you were trying to do was survive and try to figure out what you could do. Um, When you guys took your break, it was like a nice family reset and to be able to hear those stories and to be able to hear how you were able to basically reconnect the disassociated part of what it's like to be in a band and like always be gone and always living out of your suitcase and always having one foot out the door for you guys to be able to strip that away and go back to like regular life, to be able to have everything that you want at your fingertips, to be able to have the self-control to step away and to re-engage in your personal relationships in your family relationships and everything like that. I think is truly impressive. So when you come back at it, you have a new lease on life in both aspects of your life. And I think that you guys should not diminish that or minimize that. You should really understand that you're now fully equipped to be stronger than you've ever been as a band because you've had it gone. Yep. Remember earlier when I I said you should be a motivational speaker? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, I'm a a reader of situations. I will admit that. Like, Hmm. I... I love life. I absolutely love being a musician. And I pride myself from growing up in a trailer in West Virginia, not having the internet, not having any of this stuff, falling in love with music. Like I, I played football in high school. You know what I mean? I didn't play guitar when I was 14 years old. None of that shit. I learned to play guitar when I was 19. I can't so, see
0: you playing football, first of all, but...
1: Dude, not that I was couldn't. fucking all... I, just doesn't I seem was like you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I played football, I played basketball, and I was awesome at track. Nice. This, this lovely physique that you see in front of you <laughs> is not the physique that I was at uh, 17 and 18. Um, yeah, that, that was my whole life. But I was always like the, the kid who also liked rock music Yeah, mm-hmm. and like that sort of thing. You know, like my favorite band was Green Day growing up. I loved Weezer and stuff like that. I was connected with the Pumpkins instead of Nirvana um, you could like, like yeah. both. We liked both. Mm-hmm. You can like both, but <laughs> I don't think you can like
2: both. Yo, what did you do in track? Ryan definitely <laughs> liked both. Did you do cross country? Oh, uh, I was
1: no, I was a sprinter. I was super fast.
2: I was going to say cross country is kind of emo in like the, the the high school sports world. My kid runs runs cross country, running with the with there the leaves,
1: is. running with the leaves falling behind you. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, all by yourself, just yeah,
4: relaxing with down at the ground, the sad ground. JT was on that four minute mile track. Damn. Definitely. Listening to get kids uh, the whole time,
3: yeah. Hey, all that shit you said about our band, I truly appreciate you saying that, man. Because that's something that we all feel. Of course, yeah. It does make it a little harder to leave now, but when you're gone, we have something to kind of like, not to be cheesy, but like there's more on the line and there's more, there's something more to fight for now. So when shit does go good, it's all the more kind of- Rewarding. Rewarding and like emotionally fulfilling, you know? Because it's like- Hey, you know, my kids are like my life, dude. And it's like, if I'm going to leave them, I'm not like, how bad, like, what if this tour just totally flopped? What if no one was there? What if our records like, dude, like the fact that it's the opposite of that. And, you know, we're looking down, seeing all these faces light up. These people were singing so loud, all these songs, like both of our bands, like crushed it. It makes it even better now. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's times where I'm, I'm playing the guitar on stage. It happened a lot on this tour where I kind of zoned out and I'm just like, I was standing completely still just looking at the crowd, just fucking smiling. I had to look like, dude, I must look like the biggest fucking tool right now. You know? So <laughs> dude, I have to like, I go, Oh shit, what am I doing? The and the inspiring then I, moment. And then I started yeah, like, kind of wow. like just running around or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I had a lot of moments where I was just like completely standing still, just looking at people just like, Oh my God, like this is crazy. You know? So that makes it, those highs are even higher now knowing that we have people at home that are kind of depending on us and counting on us, you know? So that's cool that you you were able to pick that up because I definitely feel that a lot. That
4: that Is For Lover... The the Cincinnati one Is For Lover show was like intense. Yeah. Just that... It was amazing. that, That whole like... I guess it's a mini amphitheater compared to the other one, but whatever, like it was full and it was just like, what the fuck for
0: us? And you guys insane crowd. I mean, our fans are very similar. We work very well together, which is amazing. So we should just take over the world together. Our Venn diagram is basically just a circle.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) But I was going to say,
0: same thing about you guys, you know, you had your down years as well and you have done a really good job at really bringing your band back around and, Um, you know, focusing on what you're good at and really just killing it again. And it's awesome that we can both be in this,
3: you know. They are so self-aware. Yes. And uh, and And we're both here together.
1: It's amazing.
0: Yeah. It's it's great that we can do this together. Yeah,
1: I I think that the most important part for me is that I'm okay peeling back the curtain Mm -hmm. and not being this larger than life person because my whole goal on this earth is to connect with as many people as I can on a real level. So like starting a music festival for us was getting denied and rejected at so many bigger festivals. It was like, you know what? We'll, we'll create our own game. It's okay.
0: Yeah.
1: We're not with the cool kids. It's okay. We're not going to get invited to Coachella. It would be nice, (laughs) but we're not going to get invited to Bonnaroo. It would also be nice. We've never played Riot Fest. That's a punk rock festival. We've We've never been invited to that. So it's okay. I've been denied my whole life and I've also been accepted my whole life. So why not just create our own and show all of our friends and peers how to have a good time and to hang out with each other and peel back that curtain of ego. And like, like one of the biggest questions that we got asked when we announced our festival was why are you not headlining your own festival? And I couldn't think of a more absurd question (laughs) because my band isn't as big or legendary as the fucking descendants. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm not, it's not about ego. I put us where I thought we belonged right in the middle of all these bands that are incredible. And I'm happy to be above and below all of them. You know what I I mean? I thought that was
0: awesome. I thought that was amazing. I'm like, yeah, you just, you know, we're right where we need to be. Even with us, we're right around in that middle zone with you. And we're happy yeah. to be there, happy to play it. We don't care. Nobody cares about being the coolest band at the thing. Absolutely on a, not. On a thing we, like that.
1: I think squabbling
0: we did when over... We,
3: were, we over, did when we were 22. Well, yeah, We <laughs> yeah. all used yeah. to, but yeah, yes.
1: But like, you know, squabbling over 30 minutes, like, is yeah. that where we are? Yeah. Or are no. we just gonna... Are we okay that sometimes story of the year is bigger, sometimes... Fucking Silverstein is bigger. Sometimes Census Fail is bigger. Like, yeah. I, I've always thought that, you know, like a, a rising tide floats all boats yeah. or floats all ships or whatever. Like, if we're all doing well, we're all doing well. I'm never going to care about the difference of a half hour or an hour during a music festival. You know what I mean? Like, I want everybody to be happy. So, yeah. like, the one, the one thing that I can control about the situation is... If somebody's like, I'm not playing unless I'm above your band, you can have it because <laughs> I don't care. You know what I mean? Fine. So like, yeah.
3: and for us, yeah. like for us, we're, dude, we're just at this point. And it's cool too, like talking to like you guys, like Nate from Amberlin, yada, yada, insert band, whatever. But like everyone from our generation and, and like our, our era, I feel like is kind of on the same page as like, we're all just kind of happy to be doing this still. You know what I'm saying? Dude. Today, yeah. I worked on my house. I wrote music for, for, I don't know, maybe an hour or whatever. Didn't write anything cool. But the fact is, I wasn't doing TPS reports somewhere. I was I had a guitar in my hands working on music. You know? That's the fact 100%
1: that I, the whole goal. Yeah. The whole goal is you would rather fail yeah. doing what you love than succeed doing what you hate. Yeah, yep. so and the fact t- that 20 we,
3: years later, like we're on tour. You have control over your destiny. Doing this shit. You it's do. like That's all you can I ask. think we're all just happy yep. to be doing this, you know? I wake up tomorrow with fucking cancer. You could get hit by a car on your way home. Like, but like we're guaranteed today and that's it. And the fact that I, you know, can work on music most days and go out and play that music for a whole bunch of people that really care. That's a, it's like, that's a good fucking life. Yeah. It's a fucking spectacular life, dude. We're lottery winners, man. And so I think that for us with time and perspective, like we're all just kind of happy to be doing it still, you know? So we're just, we're cool. Put us on the, wherever on the building, wherever we're good.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's kind of, that's exactly how I felt and I was glad that like when we were putting the lineup together we got almost everybody that we wanted to play. We definitely got all of our friends. Mm-hmm. Um first, that's the first people that we asked. Yep. And then the other tier was bands that we just absolutely love and think are legends. And then you know, we were able to sprinkle in some bands that we thought were either up and coming or we thought never really got a fair shot. You know, like there was definitely bands that were like that band's bigger then they appear and we want them on the festival, Mm -hmm. you know, like for, for whatever reason that is, you know, like not everybody had the the big massive song or had a swing at radio or had a super popular video, but they were incredible bands. You know what I mean? But some reason or another didn't connect on a mass level, but connected on a great level. Like we, we chose tons of bands like that that we just like and that we, thought were the right look for the festival because of the emotion that we were trying to all convey. Like we really like our, my goal for the festival was to have it be like a high school reunion, like people that you haven't seen in a long time, you know, and that that was, was, yeah, yeah, that was the whole vibe. The whole vibe was to, to just see people on a different level. Like it was 2003 again. I didn't want you to see All these bands, when everybody was jockeying for position in the scene in 2006, that is Mm -hmm. not what I was trying to do. I was trying to pull bands into the level before they were popular and before you had to worry about billing and stuff like that. And just have everybody hanging out backstage, Mm -hmm. taking pictures, talking about 20 years ago. Remember that tour we did together and all the dumb shit we did, all of that. Because life is stressful. This should be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want anybody like all the, everybody was able to access backstage. Everybody got the same food and drinks. Everybody got mm-hmm. the same coffee. Like the whole idea was to just, everybody got to fly backdrops if they wanted to. Everybody got a merch area. Like there was no, whatever you want to call it, bureaucratic bullshit or whatever it was all like, like we, we even tried to negotiate the lowest possible merch rate for the bands at our own festival. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Because (laughs) you're like, I could have made more money off of this. Yeah.
1: Yes. We honestly, we could have, we, and our band on a, on a true level, we took a 50% reduction in lieu of future earnings. If the show did well, we got paid better. If the show didn't do well, We took half money so that way we could potentially do it again next year. Mm -hmm. We tried to do everything non-monetary. If it was there, it was there. If it wasn't, it wasn't. We made sure that all of our friends got paid the rate that they asked for. And we couldn't be happier with how it turned out. You know what I mean? Like everybody, every fan said that they just had easy time. And that's all we can ask for.
3: Yeah, man, it it was really, really great. You guys knocked it out of the park. Very low
0: stress for us. We we, we were we were in from the beginning. Either way, you, you know, you guys asked us, and we we're like, "Yep, let's do all of them." If yes, if we can, and we could, um, but yeah, we love. Maybe it. next year we'll make
1: it more stressful. Yes,
2: <laughs> <laughs> you can make so, it more stressful. We'll still do them all if you want. That's fine. <laughs> so on that, it was amazing. So you you guys were kind of doing at home for a few years, of like a, kind of a local version. Like we we've tried a few things over the years. Uh, We've, we did like this hometown takeover thing years ago that was, I don't know, we did two or three times and made it about, you know, it was just one show at the, uh, at the theater in St. Louis, but we made it feel like a thing, you know, and you guys kind of did that, but a little bigger, it seems like at home. And then you, at some point decided to make a real festival. So what was like kind of the balance between, okay, how do you make this like as big and far reaching as possible and... How do you make it something that's like everything that you described earlier, where it 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 lacks all the bureaucratic bullshit, it lacks like all like the the corporate downfalls of a festival and everything. Like what was the, sure. what what was yes. the the balance of that, and how much motivation was well, we can only make it so big because we're going out on a fucking limb, and if we're gonna go out on a limb and we want to preserve these things, we don't want to lose our asses. You know what I mean? Because it's a it's a Definitely. giant fucking scary business venture, I imagine, right? It is. It's a big
1: undertaking just just the backdrops alone so that way everybody could have like a whatever you want to call it an is for lovers backdrop. Like just that alone was 10 grand. Yeah. Just backdrops. Just to just to appear like a real festival. Let's not even talk about like pieces of fabric. Yeah. Let's not talk about like band guarantees and everything like that because I'm not going to be in Hawthorne Heights and stiff somebody if it doesn't come out. You know, you only I'm paid us sure two hundred dollars. It was bullshit. <laughs> I told you it was going to be like two thousand three. Don't come <laughs> at me with two thousand six money. I told you. <laughs> but yeah, it was you know a massive undertaking. But like since we've played so many festivals, we know what we don't like about it, mm-hmm. and we we hate nothing more than a nice stiff cold backstage where the lead singer is looking at their phone and. Everybody's They know each other But they kind of Don't know each other And they're afraid To talk to each other Because it's gonna Humanize them Like I know that you got, don't have enough Followers I don't Yeah know I know that you guys Have been to music festivals Where you're like Hey I think that's that dude From Stained I'm not <laughs> fucking talking To that guy Cause he's gonna be mean to me You know what I mean Like Everybody just, yeah.
0: he was not mean to me when he had talked, when I talked to him once. Yeah.
1: I mean, he, he
0: might, not dance me. here to but clear the
2: fucking stained record. <laughs> stained, <laughs> stained guy was
0: very nice that one time he came on our bus and hung out. Remember?
1: That's good. But like, you know, sometimes there's these walls that are put up and that are imaginary and we put yeah. them up ourselves. And that was the, the main thing that we wanted to like break down is that most importantly, I sent out a personal letter to every single band that we asked and I told them a story about why I like their band, where I met them, what they mean to us, why we want them on the festival, and told them that they're playing our festival. They're not opening for Hawthorne Heights. Yeah, I was very upfront about that. Yeah, you and sent I said, that to
0: our band, and it we was awesome. We literally were all like, "Holy shit!" Like that was amazing. Hey, it was really heartfelt and awesome. It hey.
2: was awesome. Can we read it, or does that <laughs> does that uh, breach? Hey, that's that it. seems weird, no. doesn't it?
3: No, no it's it's
0: not, it was it to us. It was to us. Yeah,
3: let's not read that. That's a right. personal thing. Yeah,
0: But it was, I mean, it was, it, I, mean
3: I don't know. Whatever, there was a but. dick pic. We'll, we'll just fucking it. <laughs> we,
1: we might both get canceled over it. but
0: <laughs> no, um, We really did all like, even management, everybody was like, wow, this is like really cool. I was like, yeah, that's amazing. I was like, yeah, we're friends. But I didn't know, I didn't know how much you loved us. I felt, <laughs> I felt really, yeah. really warm and fuzzy about it. It was nice. I mean,
1: nice. I, I really like, you guys have known me for a long time, but- you know, we just got back together recently uh, with each other, but I have an insane memory and appetite for everything. Destruction. It just, it yeah. <laughs> just comes in life. So, you know, I can tell you every time that we've played together and if we did anything fun or the city that we were in, I can do all that. And it really is on showcase when it comes to moments that I've had with all these bands yeah. Because, like, they're all real moments. You know, like, I wanted Laura Jane Grace to play, and what I told Laura was that I truly think that there are very few groundbreaking, timeless records released eternally, and one of them, I feel, is White Crosses by Against Me.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: record. Um, we were recording a record and we were both staying in Los Feliz, a suburb of Los Angeles when we were recording at the same time we were recording with, um, Howard Benson. And at the time against me was recording with uh, Butch Vig. And we just both happened to be staying at the same apartment complex. And I walked past, uh, Laura in the hall and I froze mm-hmm. and I was like, Holy fuck. That's the singer for against me. And I, I could not get myself to like, be like, I love your band. Could not even say that. And I'm, and I'm an, an adult at the time period <laughs> who's also in a popular band. And I couldn't could yeah, have been
0: like, who the fuck are you? It'd have been like, Oh, you're that guy. Yeah. Okay, cool.
1: No, like, like we locked eyes and it was like, I know you. Yeah. Oh, I know you too. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but it was like a head nod. A yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was like a head nod and it was a cool head nod and everything. But I always had that regret. Like, man, I should have had a conversation because we could have had a meaningful moment about what your band means to me. And there was just that moment of like, I just couldn't do it. So I described that to Laura uh, in the email. And I was like, look, I think that you're a genius. And I would love for you to play at least one of these shows. Um, And, you know, it's just little moments like that. Like, you know, the, the, what I sent to this, the descendants was, there are very few bands that all four members of Hawthorne Heights absolutely love. And the Descendants is one of them. Mm. So I need you to play one of these shows.
2: <laughs> yeah. Because I had the exact we same we all experience love you.
0: with Milo from The Descendants <laughs> <laughs> at the Ohio Is for Lovers show backstage. Yeah. Afterwards, it was uh, me and Bayside guys, uh, Shane from Silverstein. There was like there was like five of us all up here in the hallway just hanging out, all singers, like just hanging out. And Milo walked by and we were, I was just like, I looked at him. I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't say hi. I can't say hi. My son is named Milo, by the way, as you already know, but as people might not know, but he's my favorite. And, uh, I, I was like just such a nerd and everybody was fist bumping him. And then he like got to the end of the row and I I like put my fist out and he walked right by me
2: (laughs) (laughs) In the Bon, Bon,
0: our guitar, our guitar tech pulled the trash can out. He's like, here, get in the fucking trash. You suck. (laughs) So I got in the trash can, but anyway, he came back and then I talked to him for a little bit. But yes, yeah. it's just a weird thing. It's like you freeze up. It doesn't matter how cool your band is or what it is. It is. You still we, have we all love have, for
1: certain bands. Yeah. Yeah. And we all have idols. Yeah. And I think that that's fucking sick that we yeah. all have idols. Like I, you know, like I don't care if somebody thinks it's lame that I like story of the year. <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean your yeah. fucking band is good i don't care if we're in the same genre your band is good why would it i not yes yeah. why would i not like your band yeah. aren't you the target demographic of what i'm fucking doing <laughs> yeah so wouldn't wouldn't a wonderful <laughs> example be thrilling to me <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah yeah
1: i love yeah. colombian coffee does that mean that i would not want another great colombian coffee you know what I mean? Like, It's like crazy yeah. to me. Like, I, I love didn't, Hawthorne I just, Heights.
0: Why would I listen to Story of the Year? That'd be crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it would be insane for me to write songs adjacent to something and like it. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> um, wild shit. You know, like, but I think people put up these walls and I think it's wild. Like, I think My Chemical Romance is fucking hands down better than all of us. Yeah. I can say they that obviously- and I'm happy saying it. You, can, you know what I mean? You don't like, even have to explain it. People just know. I mean, it's there's a reason
0: why they're that big. They're just that good.
1: The, the Black Parade is not the, the world's best emo album. That is a fucking rock anthem yeah. through and through that just happens to be the best example of what we're all doing. Yeah. And I'm totally happy saying that because that shows you how wonderful what we do can be and how it can transcend past a three-letter word that somebody started calling us you know <laughs> fucking twenty years ago like I'm happy to say that I'm happy to like be influenced or to be pushed into like being inspired by something like that like it's crazy to me that somebody will not say something like that yeah that they'll be like nah I mean they're they're I met them once they're kind of cool
2: <laughs> like yeah.
0: their success does not take away from. Our happiness right. or our success yeah. so yeah why, exactly why you mad about it
1: that, that's why like i don't get why some of these bands are terrified to tour in genre. I want nothing more than to give my fans who I know love Story of the year that show, yeah, or who love silverstein that show senses fail all of the two is better than one every time absolutely, yeah, so if you can give two we can all unite all these fans into seeing how great this music is 20 years later and how they can all thrive in their adult life as if their parents were watching the stones and the Eagles tour together. You know what I mean? Like that's incredible to me. Why would you not be doing that? But when we were
2: all young and dumb, we were too caught up in like the competition and insecurity of being climbing the ladder everybody was just trying to climb the ladder especially from like small scenes like we had a tiny scene in st louis you had almost no scene where you grew up and there's that scarcity that leads to competition and everybody kind of being jealous of each other and all that kind of shit so we were very much those people that were like ryan and i especially like fully wanted to rebel against our scene we didn't want to be part of it we were we were completely done with emo and screamo before it was even fully up and running, To basically. Like, the whole Warped Tour thing, we're like, fuck this, we want to be a metal band, or we want to be whatever. And it is, in hindsight, so dumb, like many things you think when you're young. And not only is it dumb, but I also... I'm, like, so thankful that we were part of a scene, especially this one, that has like such longevity and has such like a future to it. It seems like because of all, you know, the connection and everything that we've been talking about this entire podcast.
0: Thanks MGK. He created yeah. punk rock. So
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that on TikTok. Um <laughs> It's like, if you know, we, we've all been asked in interviews, probably our whole career, what would you, what advice would you give to an up and coming band or artist or whatever? And one of the things that I would add to the list of stuff that we've probably all said is, if you're in a scene, fucking embrace that. I remember my ex-wife tried to be an actor and one of the things that her acting teacher told her was a lot of actors talk about not wanting to be pigeonholed as a, a certain type of actor in a certain genre and the teacher was like fuck that. If you can get pigeonholed and be the go-to person for the genre, fucking do it cuz you'll be working. You'll be absolutely acting, yeah. you'll be enjoying being an artist. And that for, explains our whole career. It Fucking yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cause we were like, fuck that.
0: Yeah. And then, but we were there
2: anyway. So, yeah. So I feel super lucky. We should all feel super lucky that we are part of a scene that not only helped propel us in the, you know, you know, the rising tide kind of sense, but also is something that I feel like because it has that emotional depth. We talked about this on the, on the tour. There's the added lyrical and emotional depth of being the, the emotionally kind of rooted bands that we are that I, I feel like gives it more longevity and matters more to fans rather than just like, this is my favorite night in the club or girls, girls, girls or fucking a song about <laughs> drinking or fucking heroin. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a time for, for, sure. for all of it, but yes, we tapped into something different. Yeah, and
1: I think that the, the wild thing is when you're pigeonholed into a genre, I don't consider that a bad thing. I, I agree with what you're saying, but like watering yourself down for mass appeal... Sucks in one way, and then tightening the grip on trying to go anti-genre. We'll call it story of the year. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, we tried to rebel against ourselves. Yeah.
1: Yes, you're swimming Which upstream worked, against against yourselves. Yeah. Like just become a better version of of who you are and bet on that. Yeah. That's what. That's all I've ever tried to do. Which is, is what to we try were doing re- as well. But yeah. Yeah. You just have a different sense of it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And that, that's totally fine. I think that, I think you're an interesting band because the players in your band are like slightly different styles of each other, which is kind of why you work. You know what I mean? Like you, you guys are, you could sidestep genres pretty easily because you're talented. Some people are just trying to keep up. Mm-hmm. They're like playing at the rate of where they are. Like, I I feel like Sum 41 is kind of similar. Like, they, you know, started as kind of a pop-punk band, had some hits, and then they were like, but we are good at guitar.
3: (laughs) and We want (laughs) want to shred. Yes,
1: and we want to shred. And for better or for worse, the fans are either going to come along or they're not. Now, the way that I think that that's maybe a little bit wrong is, I actually don't care what J.T. Woodruff wants to play on guitar <laughs> I do not care whatsoever <laughs> most so, people don't
0: yeah that 's what John Feldman told us in the early days he's like stop trying to fucking shred and just write songs doesn't yeah, like, matter but you
1: know there's a balance that both there cool. is there there is because you're trying to also find your place in this world, and the nuances that only you guys are capable of are what cements yourself in this world. It's not strumming power chords. We're all capable of that. It's the way that you play them. You know, like if I played a song by Green Day, I would not play the same rhythm that Billy Joe plays. It's very unique to his technique, but it's the same chords that I'm using. And like what you guys are doing is very similar to what we are doing, but it comes out so different.
3: Dude, that's why even, in, you know, in 2022, I still gravitate towards bands with instruments that write their own music because no two people play an organic instrument the same. And I think no. there's, I think that's like one of the most compelling, beautiful things to me about fucking music in general, man. You know? Yeah, if for we sure. played
0: Ohio Is For Lovers, it would not sound like it. We could play it exactly the same as you guys, but it wouldn't. As you saw, we do that emo medley thing and, you know, we cover a bunch of our friends' bands and it doesn't sound like their band because it's our band
1: playing it. It's weird. No, it's yes. It sounds like Story of the Year playing those songs. Yeah. It is. It's it's very bizarre. You know. I, I Plus, we don't have a violin player. True. <laughs> sure. You might want to get one.
4: <laughs>
1: I think Jackson probably learn it pretty soon.
4: And, and play the drums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. you, know, you have a bunch of <laughs> arms, right?
0: <laughs> JT, you want to play the violin in our band or?
1: That's actually where I draw the line. Um, <laughs> <That's it. laughs> I barely only play three strings on my guitar as it is. I'm not willing to add like fucking a rosin and bows and stuff like that. No, I'm I can't do find guitar pick to- half the time. I'm definitely not willing to use a a chin piece uh,
2: or anything like that. If you drop a bow like a guitar pick, does it also disappear through a black hole or no? (laughs) Maybe. Do you have to to throw Um, those
0: out in the crowd? Where's my bow?
2: (laughs) Dude, Um, um, someone texted Sean right now and told him to get a whole fucking mic stand full of violin bows (laughs) to throw into the ground. Um, To quote
1: just what we were just talking about, um, Hawthorne Heights, Ohio is for Lovers. That song... And the chord and the arrangement is almost identical to a Thrice song. I was figuring out a Thrice song one day, and I, I can't remember. It's either Image of the Invisible or um, the Artist in the Ambulance. It's one of those, but it is the exact same chords. Really? The chorus is mm. the exact same chords. And I was playing it, and I was like, holy fuck, this is Ohio's for Lovers. <laughs> Listen to what it sounds like when Thrice plays it. It's so different and you would never guess that me as a, a writer on ohio's for lovers could not even pick it out. Oh, you figured this out after the fact? At, like like 3 weeks ago I figured it out. <laughs> I was referencing the song and I was like I love this part that Thrice does and I was like holy shit that's ohio's yeah. for lovers but I thought about that with like ohio's for lovers
0: cuz the picking is do 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 and until the day that I was like it's it's yeah, similar that's another, in a way. But, yeah, Absolutely. you don't ever think that. And there's only, there's only fucking 11 notes that you can play, right? There's yeah. only 11 notes. But, so there's only certain keys, and we all kind of play in these same s- style of where our voices work. And, yes,
3: all songs are very similar. 11 notes, but, and then we, usually given, like, what scale, there's, like, it's actually like six. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. We're
0: yeah like, we're yeah. all playing in pretty much the same key usually. So, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and, you six know, notes. like, it's,
1: it's, it's those tiny nuances that is actually your human brain that actually hears it differently. Maybe there's 12 because so, like, it starts over. Is it? So like yeah, when, open, yeah. when we play when we play a picked out clean part, it comes out like oh, is hot Ohio is for lovers. When you play it, it comes out like until the day I die, but it's the same fucking part, <laughs> mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. And th- th- we also have a very similar part. I can't remember what song it is of yours, but Nicky FM, it goes dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. You have a part that's very similar to that. Yeah, which is, is all ripping like, off Panama by 100% right. <laughs> and, uh, God damn, that's a good song. But, um,
0: <laughs> you just, just that, you just yeah. stopped
1: JT in his tracks. He's like, oh shit. Yeah, you did, man. Yeah. Ease the seat back a little bit. <laughs> but, but that's uh, a good you thing. I mean,
0: the style of how you do it and, you know, the way you do it, it's infinite. It's fine.
1: Yeah. You know what, what's funny about this? And I, I think your fans will enjoy this. I've, I've told this story to you guys a, a couple of times, but, behind closed doors where we can fanboy out on each other. And I'll tell everybody that I'm a story of the year Stan. But um, (laughs) so I got a copy of In the Wake of Determination, an advanced copy. It was in a yellow case with a fucking, like some sort of weird watermark bullshit language on it, basically telling me that if I leaked it, they could tell that it was me that leaked it. And um, and you would be terminated. Yes. They, it yeah. was very Cyberdyne systems. Miles but, Bennett um, Dyson would come to your house and kill you. So I was listening to it when we were recording our second record, If Only You Were Lonely. And I scrapped three of the songs because listening to this record, I was like, we are not heavy enough yet <laughs> on this record because Story of the Year is fucking playing hair metal and I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so like when I was Which showing the guys... To be a
0: terrible choice for us, but <laughs> glad that it, it worked did, out and for I, you too. And,
1: and, and to be honest with you, I'm glad I didn't go down with the ship. Yeah. But <laughs> um, one nice. thing that it... And, and I think that this is before we really had hung out much and it was definitely before we did that tour together.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So I was listening to it and I'm like these guys like hair metal because I know how to play fallen angel by poison <laughs> and that's fucking what they're doing. And so I, I still love it,
0: that song. It's
1: amazing. Like, but it, it seriously, it made you top tier to me, like hearing that and hearing that. Cause I could hear immediately all yeah. of the influence, whether you're going for it or not, that's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah that so record was every,
0: every influence we ever had. Just we, we had free reign. Steve Evans was like, yeah, Make the record you want to make, dude. We, yeah, we, but
2: no joke. We used to watch Poison VHS tapes and watch their like their live show moves, and go and practice those like like rolling and jumping over each other and all that weird shit. Yeah, there was a part of Poison that really influenced us, like mainly live stuff. But that whole era, which evidently, you're right spot on love, evidently yeah. it came through. Yeah.
3: Also, the music. And, I dude, was uh, from a you know being like the main music writer. I was just in a total dipshit, like up my own ass, weird ego shit where i was like to you know to touch on what you were talking about 20 minutes ago adam i was like uh embarrassed about the scene and stuff i was embarrassed that we were on the radio you jaded people up. have
2: to know how good i am a guitar
3: yeah i was a yeah. dipshit i was like yeah. i just i you know i always talk about refused and glass jaw and stuff i was like i was mad that we were on the radio i was like why can't we just be the refused why can't we just be? and so in the wake of determination for me it was just like i'm gonna make music that's not emo yeah, you know, and I'm only one one fourth of the band, so it's like we thought we could do both. We thought that it would still be big on radio. Like I just was like, just, well, I was just like, as long as the choruses are cool, yeah. like I can do whatever I want on guitar; it doesn't even matter, <laughs> as long as the choruses Con- are big. That's you what know, I, that's what twenty three year old or twenty five year old me thought. You know? Yeah, kind of, but you know, I
1: I will say that the thing that always ties it together is I don't know how Dan does it, but it still sounds like Dan singing mm-hmm. a Story of the Year song. Yeah. To a whack ass metal riff. And I don't know how it happens, but you yeah. tied it all together. And like, that's what made it yeah. sound perfect to no, me because I, realized, I was like, that's a riff besides a your fucking metal
3: riffs. <laughs> no, but some of those songs, like Our Time Is Now and shit, I think like totally hold up. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. They, do. they totally they hold up. And I love them. I,
1: I would say that they're way better now. I would say that your biggest mistake is that radio was no fucking way going to play that fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was the problem. It wasn't the songs. The, the radio was not ready for that whatsoever. You yeah. that song now could be popular. Rise yep. Against made it popular. Yeah, they were not ready for that yet. If you would have, the
0: metalcore genre changed so much over the yeah last 15, yeah it did years, obviously. But but yeah. so you're saying but like
2: like in the wake of Determination was like when Marty McFly played Johnny B Good. Just not ready. Your kids are going to love it. Ready for
0: 100% it. And then later we did realize that as long as I'm singing over it, we can get away with a lot of shit. Like we can do metal songs. As long as
1: you're singing, as long as you're singing like you actually sing and you don't change 100% because that was was the brilliance of it to me. The brilliance was a lot of you guys were fucking around (laughs) and Dan just sounded like story of the year. So like if Dan would have been fucking around and I always joke about this, not about Dan, but I joke about, how drummers are the most annoying people in the world because during (laughs) sound checks or in the studio or stuff like that they're always hitting something and if i if i were to do that like during a sound check and just go on a fucking run just la 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 -la 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 like you would look at me like i was insane yes to just go just go on a run in my defense
4: I'm one of the only drummers that doesn't do that. You're shit. You're right. Yeah. I'm usually well. Saying, I salute I'm you. I'm usually sitting there going, "What the fuck are you guys doing?" Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, like, he's the only he's one like, that like, shuts the is. fuck up. Yeah. It,
0: yeah. That would be amazing to do a vocal solo. <laughs> but
4: I have noticed
0: yeah. anybody who isn't hey, a drummer, hey, hey,
3: anybody, hey. anybody yeah, who just, isn't just a drummer, just letting it
4: ramp. And they see a drum set, they can't help themselves. No, they if can't. Nobody's sitting Dude, behind cause it. Dude, because it's like
3: the most. <laughs> tribal, like, fucking primal instrument there is. You go bang it.
4: Who doesn't want to hit shit? No drummer walks up to somebody else's drum set and goes, I'm gonna play this. Every other musician goes, can I play this?
0: Yeah. It's fun. (laughs) That was definitely Ryan every day on Soundcheck back in the day.
1: Fuck yeah. The craziest thing to me is like Dan and I have the pressure of having to captivate an audience when nothing else is happening. Like you have to talk in between songs and stuff and get people either pumped up or interested or stuff yeah. like that. And meanwhile, the drummer is back there playing a drum fill during <laughs> this heartfelt fucking story <laughs> that I'm trying to connect with. And they're going, or, bam, and I'm like...
4: Josh I'm like, will count me in if I
0: talk too long. He'll yeah. just he'll just go
4: one start two three tracks. four, and I'm like, oh fuck! It starts oh. it starts going off the rails, and I got to start an intro.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're kind of in a reverse situation. We're lucky in that sense. Yeah, man,
4: it's like yes. that fucking
2: uh, that no, fucking that Brian Regan bit. You know that shit from his first record, talking about how dogs. I don't listen to stand up comedy. I create it. You don't listen to stand up. <laughs> you don't listen to podcasts. How dogs nope. like it, the dogs are just bark in a backyard. It's like imagine a human just on their balcony going,
4: Hey. <laughs> hey, hey, man! Hey, hey, buddy! Hey, hey,
2: hey! That's what a drummer. <laughs>
1: drummer That's what is. podcasting is. One hundred percent, all accurate. But yeah. back to in the wake of determination. <laughs> let's get back on the rails here. Let's back get to back your on the best it. record of all time. Yes, yes. Let's, you just be let's get back on the one, on on the, on the real tip. So I get the an advance copy, I'm listening to it, showing it to the guys. We have this show at this weird fucking college in upstate New York. And we listen to it the whole way there and the whole way back. And I'm talking four hours each way. We're listening to you're it. Fucking welcome. And we're breaking it down. And I'm like, <laughs> what are they doing that we're not doing? And what fucking tuning are they in? Because they sound so much heavier and I know how to play guitar. <laughs> and you're in I've this you're, guitar <laughs> before. <laughs> you're in the same tuning as us, by the way.
0: Yeah, that was only a half step down.
1: Yes, half step down. Yeah. No pinch harmonics is not it, <laughs> Yes, and then and then we're like I'm like digging in and I'm like wait a minute, they're they're fucking they're noodling a little bit, but they are playing actual breakdowns, like fucking Cinderella would have or something like that. And I'm like, okay, okay hey, I got it now. Say
0: Skid Row, not Cinderella. Come on, nothing good about Cinderella. You don't like Long
1: Cold Winter? Come on, man, that's he a banger. We no had a couple good ones. That's no Skid Row. had a couple good ones. But uh, yeah, so going through it and then embarrassingly enough, and this is where it went off the rails for you guys. <laughs> I love this. You decided to go full 80s We on the down of shit. damn what? Neon Green. What? We were just what ahead of-
2: well, We were about that shit.
1: Hold no, on, we
3: were just way ahead of our time because if we no, would have bit it 10 years later- what song No, Neon was,
1: Green is right now. What song was the full 80s? That's
3: what 80s. I'm saying. On that record, you're
0: saying
1: like it's the- just the
3: aesthetic. No, the, oh, the full 80s oh, yeah.
1: was the was the aesthetic. I get it. So okay, yeah, they're, you gave everybody again, dude. poison. I got you exactly, and which I we was did. down with because I like fucking hair metal and Trapper Keepers. The problem <laughs> with you guys is that you were releasing this shit in 2006, not ready for the Trapper Keepers yet. Yeah. They weren't ready. They didn't Strangiest have things hadn't come out yet. Exactly. They didn't have a uh, a notebook with fucking weird three-dimensional orbs on it with neon <laughs> colors and shit. They didn't have that stuff, so they didn't know what you were doing. Meanwhile, just two years prior, you were giving them videos with fucking ravens in them and stuff, and now you brought on neon green. So you had everybody growing their hair out, flat ironing their hair, and now you're trying to pluck them into neon country. Now we're like, everything you did last year, fuck that.
0: Do this. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Ditch
1: the flat iron. Get yeah. fucking hairspray and a curling iron. <laughs> Guess what, guys? So Let's—we're stone washing everything. We're turning everything fucking neon green. Uh, maybe now you could <laughs> like probably James do that so now.
2: Yeah. But
1: yeah, so that's where that was the disconnect. Everybody was like, "Man, I thought these guys were screamo," but instead. They're wearing neon green. I ain't getting with that headbands and
0: shit. Yeah, like. But at least we were like, "Fuck you, we're doing this." That's what so I'm saying. You I'm, are you I'm super to it, proud for about sure. that because yeah, yeah. we said this is what yeah, we want to do. And, yeah, you set your own path. Yeah, and
3: we didn't. And we had the balls to do it. And yep. maybe not the wisest business decision, but we've always <laughs> talked about this. <laughs> I don't we, regret it at all. We maybe we you wouldn't shouldn't. be a band. You shouldn't like, regret we, it. Yeah, we wouldn't be band anymore if we would have just made Page Avenue one, two, three, and four. Maybe. We would have a lot more money and stuff, but I I don't know. I I don't think I could have done that. Like I would have to start another band or something. I don't know. Well, I will tell you on on the
1: back end of it, on the back end, you pushed us to reach beyond what we were doing. Now, we weren't willing to go as far as you guys were because we're a different style of band. We have different tendencies, but you definitely made us stop and think. And I think that that's the most important lesson from that album. From our point of view, was holy shit. Am I doing the right thing here? Mm. Because this is sick. What do I need to do to make myself feel that way? Yeah. So yeah, I will. I, I will toot that record's horn <laughs> to the end of time because it did push us to think heavier, even though we weren't trying to achieve the same things. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. it made us not come out with the silence in black and white part two. Yeah. We definitely came out with a heavier album. We definitely tuned to to D a couple times, <laughs> searching for that heaviness that you guys achieved, and it created some of our landmark songs. So it definitely pushed what we were doing, um, I which I think is a cool moment for the for the story of the year fans to understand the impact that that had, even though. Yeah. People might not have been ready for it, or or whatever, and it didn't smash at radio or something like that. But like, you have to understand that none of us—the only reason that we were any of us were ever played on the radio—is because they couldn't deny us anymore. Because we were getting so massive without radio. Yeah, they were yeah, like, yeah, yeah. "Who? Why the fuck is Story of the Year drawing two thousand kids in my radio market, and I've never heard of them? Yeah, how is that happening?" Yeah, so yeah. they they had to start doing it or they would feel foolish. Mm-hmm. You know, like your fans were calling into radio stations saying, will you play until the day I die? Who the fuck is that? You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like they're like, will you play Hawthorne Heights? What is that? Is that the next, is that a Nickelback song? I've never <laughs> heard it. Is that the new ad we are supposed to do? But you know yeah. what I mean? Like we, it was just, it was coming so fast that they, we none of us asked to be on the radio they came to us. That's very rare that a scene exploded. I consider it like the a very similar as as the grunge time mm-hmm. period. They yep. were not ready for that. They weren't like, they, they had to start playing Nirvana. Nirvana was the polar opposite of what was on the radio at that time. Yeah. And they were like, we don't know how this fits in, but this is massive. Mm-hmm. And this is what the kids are listening to. So we have to put it on. It's the same thing with hair metal. I remember the first time I heard Welcome to the Jungle, and about Lost My Mind.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was like nine years old, and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever heard.
1: This is the best thing I've ever heard because I'm so used to listening to fucking Phil Collins. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Don Henley,
0: Phil Collins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. My dad's music,
1: yeah. And then this was like kids playing it. It was like, you know, they were probably 18 to 20. Yep.
2: Yes. Ripping. Dude, yeah. It, so, like, it, all this goes back that to the, the st- that's the moment was the stuff about how lucky we all are to have come up in a scene and been at the inflection point because it's not like we were the beginning of the scene. We bands like us were where the culmination of all those influences went mainstream. Like the the used and what Feldman did with the used kind of really started to to push it that way, and then bands like us took Saves the Day and Thrice and Glassjaw and like taking back, sunday, taking back and sunday thursday
0: thursday who was thursday, on a yeah. uh, few of the is for Lovers. Sh- uh, were they on all of the is for Lovers show not the last one they were on two the of the first them. two yeah but
2: all yeah. those bands like 2003 4 5 was like where everything flipped and we were the grunge of that moment Obviously nothing's gonna be as big as the Nirvana moment with Grunge, but no, but we got to experience
1: the scene the scene change. Yeah. Yep. The tides totally turned with all of us. Yeah. And it was a really cool moment, like when when people ask us questions like that, like, what do you remember from back then? I remember working at a gas station. (laughs) And then having a platinum record in six fucking months. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how would you ever expect me to be a normal person again? I had yeah. to work to stay a normal person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, that's why some of those bands, like they imploded so quickly because they went from being total losers to like on top of the world in such a short amount of time. How is a kid supposed to handle that? Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like they don't give you a handbook. You don't yeah. sign a record contract that says, Hey guys, we're fucking you right now, but <laughs> what do you want? You know what I mean? Like Dude, you're so happy that it,
0: the way you, the way you explained it, I've never thought about it like that. Like the PTSD of, of that fucking massive shit that we all went through. Oh yeah. yeah. You guys, then, you're going to you go
1: through that for the rest of your and lives. The crash of I'm that, telling you,
0: I just go like, Oh, don't be a pussy. Cause yeah, your band's cool and stop complaining, you know, but, that's a real, that's real shit. It's
1: a it's different kind of trauma crazy. than most people deal with. Yeah. That's it's trauma. It nonetheless, is. So. It is. And you, you got to do it in a time where your, your brain wasn't fully developed yet. You hadn't yeah. completed any milestones in your
3: life yet. We were adolescents. And out of nowhere. Yeah. Your, your brain isn't fully formed till like you're 25, like your prefrontal <laughs> yeah. cortex. Especially males. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: We were stupid young kids and it was,
1: you know. Yeah. And out of nowhere, you're on top of the world. And what no one ever tells you is that you will not stay there no matter who you are. There's always going to be some reason why you're less today than you were yesterday. Even the Beatles thought that, you know what I mean? Like the biggest bands in the world succumb to some sort of degradation. Do you know what I mean? Like there's some sort of diminishment, and it's okay. I, I always tell people I like to live my life at 70% <laughs> because if you're trying to live at a hundred percent, if you get to 99, you're pissed.
2: Yeah. And if you're living yeah. your
1: life at 50%, you ain't doing shit. So give me,
0: give me a, a borderline.
1: 70%. Give me a C, give me the fucking glimmer of a C <laughs> all day, because that means that, I like that I'm never on top of the world, but I'm never beneath it either. Some days are going to be great, some days are going to be shitty, but if you can live life at 70, 70%, <laughs> 70 degrees, that shit rules. That makes sense cuz I'm always not chasing not too cold, not too hot. I'm always hot.
0: chasing a good 90%. You know, it's like
2: <laughs> Yeah. You, you
0: want to go out and get cr- drunk and you're chasing like that fucking fun of 90%. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're
2: You're, you're going to hit 100, man. But, but yeah, you're like, you're like, you are like you like want to
0: get there and then all of a sudden the next day you're at 50 and you're like, "Ah, well, that was stupid."
1: Yeah, then you're mad that you're de- you're yeah. too far down. Yep.
2: Stay at 70. You're like a well-managed lithium-ion battery. Don't overcharge. Yes, <laughs> yes. Short, shorten the lifespan. That's what I'm saying, man. You gotta, you gotta just,
1: you know, you want the best out of life, but shit, we're not gonna live at a hundred percent. Because if you live at a hundred percent, you're mad when you're anything less than that. Makes sense. You don't do that shit, man.
2: That's a brilliant place to end this podcast. <laughs>
0: that's a that's a <laughs> wise quote.
2: That, yeah, that,
0: that we all should at seventy percent. It's all to stay at seventy percent. Yes.
1: Do not strive for seventy-one. I think this podcast probably hit seventy
2: percent tonight. That's the target demo. It sounds a little communist, but I think we should wrap it up there. We regardless. might have hit eighty. It
3: might be too far. JT, thanks for coming on here, dude. Of course, man. Thanks for coming on here, man. Uh, this is great.
0: Yes, we loved. We loved every minute of touring with you guys again. And you know,
1: the saddest part about the tour for me is that. You're always secretly kind of wanting the tour to end so you can go home and like go fishing with your daughter, or yeah. like yeah. go to the Y, or like fucking drink your own Lacroix for the flavors that you <laughs> wanted instead of the one that the runner got. <laughs> the one you're of always really, really cooler. Yeah, like, you're, ah, you're wanting. Fine. That's what you want. But like, this was the fastest tour we've ever done. Yeah, because we'll it real fast every. Every day was great. Yeah. Every day was like, you were enriched mentally. You were enriched by the audience. Like, man, I, I kind of felt like, was this what like smoking weed in the seventies with fucking <laughs> Leonard Skinner and Bob <laughs> Seger was like? Is like, is that what we achieved? Because so. if so,
3: I'm all in. Yeah, and you guys are just- really, really, really easy people to like and to be around. Like, I, th- I think 12 people, um, eight of which are artists on that bus, you know, that's a lot of, like, potential egos and different personality types and weirdos and all that. And, mm-hmm. like, dude, for what it's worth, everyone just gelled really great. I just, I love I, you, I, I couldn't imagine an easier band to fucking live in a hundred square foot room with. Likewise. That's how you live
2: 70% to the max. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you do. I'm 70% it real hard.
1: Well, you gotta surround yourself with seventy percenters.
2: <laughs> Dude, can we please get
0: patches? Can we get seventy yeah. percenters? We're, we're getting percenters. fucking ta- we're getting or tattoos. Tattoos. Or tattoos. We're not yeah. getting
1: patches, man. We're with a seventy <laughs> percent <laughs> club. Hey, that's that's, that's that going to be our next. That's yeah. the next tour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because because this is definitely not the last time we will tour together.
0: We love you guys. You guys love us. We're we're fucking lifetime homies. That's what we are. Yeah, whatever
1: you guys have going on next year, fucking table it. We're doing. We're running this back. <laughs> See, know. the biggest compl- the biggest complaint about this tour for me is that it didn't hit every market. So yeah. we couldn't quick quick even like like Los Angeles didn't even touch the seventy percent club. Where what <laughs> no. the fuck are we doing? <laughs> they have no idea. You know yet. what I mean? They have no idea. Yeah, they
4: have no idea what kind of C grades we're going to give them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We, uh, honest to God,
1: we wasted a 70% club on Fort Wayne <laughs> and New York City and LA didn't get it. You know what I mean? We got to run this shit but back. Pierre's we didn't got hit it, Chicago. No, no.
4: Pierre's hitting real hard. It's New a good York, show. New York and LA, they're spoiled. They got to want it. Yeah. They got to want it. Yeah, we got to let it. them
0: know that they need to fucking ask for it.
4: Yeah. 100%. Yeah.
2: We should do a split no, no, seven no. inch. 70%. You just split seven inch called the 70 percenters club. I'm fucking way into oh, that. Dude, we should do a split. We yeah. have to. I think we have what to. What did you call it when you do a song together? It's not not a featuring. What's it called? A co what or a dual? Oh, dual primary. Dual primary. <laughs> that means that yeah. that means that we're both the main artist on it, and that's sick. And that their story of the year in Hawthorne Heights or Hawthorne Heights and story of the year. Either way, it's Dutch door action. Inverted. I it.
0: can't make it till the day I die. Wait,
1: we'll find a way to fucking make this that's shit good. work. But we'll find a way. Anyway, anytime that you can work with your friends and hang out and. Share mutual respect and share fans and everything. That is the ultimate seventy percent. So
0: it is. it is. We did it. That might we did it. it real. Oh yeah, that
4: might hit seventy two percent. But whoa, 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 whoa. whoa we might have
0: went above the the grade average that we needed, but that's okay. It's okay if you achieve yeah. a little. Regression we achieved all. Mean.
4: We achieved all,
1: as the descendants would say. Oh. since we're. We've technically ended the podcast. This is bonus footage for <laughs> yes. all the 70 percenters out there. This is bonus footage. Uh-huh. Um, you guys need to watch Mark from Hawthorne Heights. We call him the Miz. Did Mark we meet Hawthorne. him? I
0: don't, I don't know if he's yeah, was he was in the bus. it's uh, weird. So. Well,
1: he's the, he's the quiet one. So <laughs> I think you would have seen him floating around, but you might not have talked to him. Um, but anyway, you need to go and watch his latest TikTok And watch how easy it is because I'm going to make you guys a super famous TikTok band. (laughs) Um, But you need to watch it because all he says is, you guys know the emo's back, right? That's all he says. And we're up 4,000 followers in eight hours. (laughs) Wow. So if you guys want to keep fucking around with your podcast, you can. (laughs) We're going to be over there tickling the ivories on TikTok (laughs) Plucking them, plucking more 70%ers oh, because we go where the kids are and we learn that Story of the Year is trying to still force feed hair metal in the form of a podcast. <laughs> Give the people what they want. We're trying
0: to get they straight want- A's
1: over
2: here. <laughs> over here on a podcast. Settle for C's. Yeah, God you- damn it. All right. All right, JT, tell, uh, mm. tell the people wh- where they can find you and your band on social media, including TikTok, apparently. <laughs> All right, at Hawthorne Heights on
1: TikTok, at JT Hawthorne, if you want the real shit with me, like fishing and talking about emo and stuff like that and making fun of shit. But um, yeah, you'll be able to find us anywhere that stand up comedy is not, anywhere that <laughs> podcasting is not, anywhere that streaming weird shows about fucking documentary murders and stuff like that. You will not find any of that shit. But anywhere Neon Green is present. <laughs> Nope, not at all. But <laughs> pure, <for> <laughs> pure, unadulterated, self-aware emo, if that's what you're into, just go to fucking everything that says Hawthorne Heights and we will we'll take you on a 70% journey <laughs> and show you that it is totally okay to like other emo bands. It's totally okay to enjoy the music that you grew up. You do not have to be embarrassed by anything because I always explain it to people. It's not like our parents were like, hey, Hey, dumbass. Hey, remember when you, you, you were really into the Eagles? Oh, the one with the fucking number one selling album of all time called the Eagles' Greatest Hits. Remember when you liked that lame shit? Of course they don't think like that because they like the fucking Eagles. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> so, oh, the
0: goddamn Eagles. You don't talk shit about yes, the Eagles.
1: You don't have to be embarrassed about anything that you listen to, love, or anything that makes you feel better. So own it. Like everything, man. Mm-hmm. Love it all. Including neon green.
2: Where? what you dig. I got neon green uh, don't right forget here. about
0: it at, J- at James Thomas uh, at
1: myspace.com or whatever
2: at Jim Tom Jim Tom at, in the myspace top 8 just
1: a little tidbit one <laughs> time I had the opening band believing and this was a long time ago I was probably living at 75%, to be honest with you. <laughs> a little bit off the rails, a little bit high on the hog. Uh, I had one of the opening bands believing that JT stood for Jarrell Tangerine. <laughs> and that my, parent, my parents were hippies. So, you can...
4: Oh, if you were Jarrell t- <laughs>
1: Now that's a stage name,
4: <laughs> Jarrell Tangerine.
0: Are you for? real? <laughs> oh fuck!
4: Oh yeah. Oh, so wow. maybe that's
1: my TikTok alter ego. Maybe that's my eighty percenter. <laughs> yeah, just Jirel. Jirel Tangerine. <laughs> Tangerine. Oh, yeah. you're way fuck. too white
2: to be Jarrell, man. <laughs> Father of Kalel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: One hundred percent.
2: Hell yeah! All right, Dan. I know you'll never live up to that. But where can I find you on social media? <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> jurel tangerine.com
0: i mean i've already stolen it i've already bought it just now it's yeah. mine
2: now sorry it kind of sounds
1: like a kind of sounds like a like a a weirdo like maga christian holistic like mlm hey go ahead and uh, buy a little bit of Jarrell tangerine it'll you know fix everything in your life you know it's only 1995 and it's a subscription for 16 years you'll be great
0: you rub it on your dick
1: non-sexually <laughs> Yeah, it's a, It's not a balm, it's a salve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, go on.
3: We're trying to wrap oh. up and you're too funny. <laughs> Scooter, where can they find you? I'm at you? I and Ryan, Ph- Ryan Phillips. Good job. Yeah,
4: I'm at Jeremiah Theodore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the JT acronyms. Where are you at? At lion's choice
1: <laughs> dot sucks. Oh,
0: yeah, well, yeah, you were talking about how you hate lion's choice, right? <laughs> Dude, let me let us make all the St. Louisans hate you right now. Well, <laughs>
2: hey, I just I just had a vegan meatball sub from Lion's Choice oh, yesterday. I
0: just saw that they have that. It's good oh, as a really.
1: Yeah. Well, to be honest boxes. with you, I haven't had Lion's Choice since that tour we did in two thousand six. So maybe it's gotten better, or maybe my my maybe my palate's more refined. But you know, you're talking about a guy who likes skyline chili and they put fucking
2: cinnamon in the chili. So skyline chili is kind of weird. Authority. It is kind of weird, but
0: it's kind of weird, hey, but I, I kind of
2: like it. I also had lion's choice. My wife and I went to one in the Metro East, which is the East side of St. Louis in Illinois in a building that was like a mini strip mall, with just two units one was lion's choice and one was a bank, but they weren't separated. Like it was one door. <laughs> they just had glass for the offices. So like, if you're, if you're just like doing bank transactions, you you're watching just somebody eat lion's choice and you're just smelling the, the, the fucking, the grease you're smell like, and, the beef, beef and the roast beef and the medium rare roast beef sniff is a uh, real intense. Uh, hey, so, JT, I'm out.
0: I love you. Story of the year loves you. I, I can speak for all of these men. We yeah, fucking right. love you. We really do. Yeah. And, uh, Hawthorne Heights, Hawthorne Heights and Story of the Year. We're gonna we're gonna do more. We're gonna take over the world as we already did. We're once. gonna
2: take over
1: seventy percent of the world. Seventy
0: percent of the world. We're
1: gonna do it, We're gonna take it over. Yes, again. only seventy percent. You know, I'm not gonna put you guys on the spot, but I'm tired of fucking holding this Australian tour, and I'm tired of you guys not accepting it. So, what are you talking about, I'm. I'll take another seventy <laughs> well, percent. We've been know. texting we about it, but
0: then we had to turn it over to agents and things. So we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We're That's, trying to make that's it what work.
1: happens. We call that the slow play. Yeah. yeah. Don't ever trust anybody who can survive without your band. (laughs) Your band breaks up. They're still managers. Your brand bake, your band breaks up. They're still booking agents. Hey, I'm waiting. Your band breaks up. You are no longer a band. (laughs) Yes. You make the decisions. I'm holding
0: out for 70% of the money. That's all I'm waiting for. Yeah. 70 percenters. Damn right.
1: Down and under little, is for little, lovers.
4: We're going to make it happen. A little bit Ooh.
1: of uh, inside baseball. We're working on Hawaii is for lovers. Fuck yes. yeah, we are. Hey.
4: Oh man, I'd hate to go to Hawaii. Like like, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Like I already said, do you have a
0: text form? I don't know if this is whatever, but yes, I mean, we would love to do it, but we got to figure all these things out. Of course. Yes. we. Love, yeah, it'll we love be it. a
1: drag, but I'm just, I'm trying to apply pressure to the fan base is all I'm trying to do to, to get them to join the 70% club too. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But anyway, uh, we should be
2: talking once a week as friends, just on an honest level.
1: Hey, you got my pager number. So
2: I agree. You want to have a, like a post podcast, just video chat like this every Monday. We could set that <laughs> we up. We
1: should, we should, because you know, we're basically serious. We got to hold this Mount Rushmore together. Is
0: your, your wife and family just like, they're just like, why aren't, why aren't you in bed already? James
1: Thomas. Yeah, I'm allowed a little bit of free time every once in a while. (laughs) As long as I keep them at 70 percent, they're they're pretty happy with it. You know, Nikki FM runs a coffee shop, so she's got to be fucking slinging lattes at six in the morning. So this is me time, baby. Nice. Mm -hmm. But I will say you're you're eating up my Monday night football time, though. But oh, football. I'll hold it out for a story of the year. Who's winning the match? The Bengals already played.
0: Adam, finish this goddamn podcast. All right, yeah, listen up, roll. man. Either. Um,
2: <laughs> I'm sweating. Either join the band or get the fuck out of here.
4: Yeah.
1: Join yeah. Story of the Year or
2: don't. <laughs> either you're part of the fucking 70 Percenters Club or you can.
4: Suck one! Can we go up?